Welcome back to season two of the Run Culture Podcast. My name is Dane Verway. I'm an experienced running physiotherapist, coach, and marathoner. This season will involve open discussions with my running colleagues about the key principles behind injury-free running and optimal performance. It'll be backed by personal experience, science, and history. I can only hope some of these chats inspire curiosity and expand or confirm perspectives and beliefs amongst the running community. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back, everyone. This is season two of the Run Culture podcast. I had a bit of time over quarantine to deliberate what direction I wanted to take the podcast, and I've decided to share a lot of my principles and and the way that I think about running with everyone. And I feel like this is just going to be so useful and fulfilling from my part as a physio that's trying to make a change. Um, And I'm just going to sort of literally just go over um yeah how I think about running so each week's going to be a principle of mine during quarantine I came up with about 60 different principles of how I um view running and you'll see that a lot of them are analogies or just visuals and because that's how my brain works but it really helps simplify and otherwise at times really complicated topic when it comes to avoiding injury and optimizing running performance it's so easy to uh not know what to focus on or or not to understand why you're injured uh each week i'm going to chat to one of my colleagues or friends uh that i really respect who i know grasp the particular topic that we're going to talk about quite well and we're going to chew the fat and really pull apart um the certain topic of the week so i hope you all find it useful I'd love to hear the, some feedback on how you find this first episode and, and let me know how I could improve it. This week I'm chatting to Caden Shields, um, a good friend of mine who lives in New Zealand. He's an amazing marathoner, 215 marathoner, also an amazing physiotherapist who I used to work with and really used to respect the way he goes about it. He's a really methodical, deliberate thinker and he loves uh, physio and running just as much as me. So what better person to have on for episode one of season two? Kick back, enjoy if you're in the car. Otherwise, if you're in a run, uh, settle into your run and I hope you find this first topic useful. Oh, by the way, it's complex systems. So we'll explain what it is as the podcast goes, but it's probably a real principal topic that I want runners to understand more. So hopefully I, cha- I set you to challenge. Try to understand what a complex system is by the end of the show. All right. See you guys. Well, yeah, with this um, podcast idea, um, like pretty much during quarantine, I had nothing to do for two two weeks. So like I just <laughs> I just like um, got like super nerdy physio wise and like, yeah, I pretty much came up like, like I sent you, like I came up with like so many different like, I just like listed like all the principles that I feel like I sort of have in my head, like whether it's through just running or whether it's through physio and whether they're accurate or not, but it's how it helps me understand like a lot of things. So like, and, and then, um, I was like, Oh, this is like, this is like, I I feel like, and then I like did a lot of like research on decision-making because I feel like it's that aspect that like a lot of runners struggle with. Um, like sound rational decision making and they just sort of they get so biased um, and and so like passion like emotionally invested in in some of their decisions um, and and I was like well maybe like if people had like certain models in their head that like it might help them as well work work through decisions so then like anyway like I thought oh it's perfect like it's given me like about 90 episodes of um or <laughs> 60 episodes of like um worthwhile stuff to talk about um and then this one was definitely one that after seeing that ben ray smith 
like seminar um, where he talked about that, like, so that complex system approach. I feel like sometimes I get biased when I'm treating someone and, and you sort of like just add too much weight to like one aspect and you just keep talking about one aspect, but really it's like, um, like for example, if someone changes shoes, like, like it doesn't matter if you change shoes, if you've hardly run, like you're not going to like have much load on your body. So, so it's a combination of the changing of the shoes, perhaps like, you know, a lot of running, minimal recovery, and then that, that combination of like a few things has led to like the, the injury or the poor performance or, um, yeah. So like, I just wanted to talk about the idea that people should appreciate, like still keep it very simple as in like, and then list like the four main things as in like, I feel like, um, yeah, the training structure of some that someone has like the rest and recovery that they allow. Often people don't appreciate that as a runner, like it's always bigger and better or more consistent or let's do more. Um, and then like, you know, factoring like good sort of like, um, like making sure that they've got enough energy and, and, and then like just their mental state and, and their mental, their stress levels. Um, and, and that, and then like, um, like there are four, four of the main things that people often gloss over and they focus on like the, the, the minutiae and the, and the little, little things, um, and think that they're, they, they haven't got the glaringly obvious, right. And then they're focusing on these, these little things. Um, yeah, so probably, probably that, that, and then like, it, um, taking a step back and being able to think of those four big rocks and where, where you sit with them, um, as well as the, you know, maybe the, the shoe change or your biomechanics and, and, and the, the interaction of that whole system. Um, because like when, yeah, like, so I guess, like, I just wanted to talk about that and how, when all those four big rocks are in a good spot, then your adaptive sort of environment is in a good spot. So then you're more likely to, to tolerate a shoe change, um, or you're more likely to tolerate, um, a change in your training load or, 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 or something different. You're probably, yeah, in, you, you, yeah, you're in a good spot to tolerate it. Whereas, um, yeah, I, I guess I wanted to talk about that. And then also probably how every individual is different and I don't want to make it too complicated. So I don't know a, a simple way to talk about it, but I want people to understand that, um, like to keep it simple, but to understand that there's more than just like, don't blame one thing because if you just blame one thing, you're going about it the wrong way. Mm. I think it's, um, something I, I would talk to clients about pretty regularly. Yeah. Cause generally, um, the, yeah, the conversation often leads to, as you know, leads to why things happen. Um, and then generally as a physio, I try and sort of help people. I think part of, of moving forward from an injury, particularly if it's been a severe injury is discussing why it may have happened. Um, I think cause then, you know, in terms of moving forward and looking to the future, you can try and mitigate that from happening again. Yeah. And a lot of the time, like people were quite confused about uh, what may have led to their injury, but then also what things may reduce their injuries, um, their risk of injury in the future. Yeah. And unfortunately, as you are aware of, there's a lot of probably what people put in the one percent category um, that people tend to focus on a lot, um, which I actually try and spend a lot of my time trying to educate people um, about what you've just been discussing, which is, um, yeah, if you want to put it, you know, use that terminology, the big rocks. Um, and, you know, sometimes that almost seems too simple. Um, but it's also quite refreshing for, for people. Um, you know, if you look at things such as stretching, and we know the evidence base for stretching, um, as far as we're aware, there's, there's minimal evidence for stretching as a risk um, reducer of injury. Um, but then people will spend up to you know half an hour a day stretching. Yeah. So um, I think, yeah, really, I, I really try and simplify injury in this sense, even though we you know injuries are complex, um, a complex thing, or there's multiple factors that lead to injury. I really try and focus on the things that people have significant control over, yep. um, such as their training decisions, yeah. um, their diet, 
Yeah. There's sleep. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I also am quite a strong proponent of strength training. Um, and that's mainly to build resiliency, I think, in runners. Yeah. Um, but then there's also the performance side of that, which I think is really under, undervalued at times in terms of strength training, particularly for distance runners. You see sprinters spending lots of time strength training, but then um, distance runners can sometimes neglect it. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, uh, it, you know, I, I really do try and simplify it into those sort of main categories and then really start delving into talking to people about their sleep and their diet. And that's when you can sort of lead more into the psychological things. You know, I start quizzing people about how's your sleep been lately? And then they'll go, oh, well, actually, sleep hasn't been that great. Uh, what, why is that? Um, and, you know, there may be increased stress. We, we know recently we've had another lockdown in New Zealand. So, um, you know, we've found that um, people have been a bit stressed about that. Either they've worried about income, but then they've come back into work after the lockdown's ended. And, um, you know, there's lots of work. I, I sort of had a similar thing where, um, you know, I still did telemedicine during lockdown, but um, it's probably a 60% volume of what I would normally do. So as soon as I entered back into the clinic, um, you know, there's a demand for, for physiotherapy, but then also it was a quite acute care. So um, had to try and quickly get these people seen. So, um, so yeah, so the general stress levels went up. and um, But then also, you know, if we go back into the lockdown, we see that people were are using running as a way to manage stress which is excellent way of managing stress but um you know they may have minimal training experience and so they start entering into into running again and and suffer an injury as a result of that so and a lot of with you know novice runners for example you are starting from the basics so you're really starting and and just talking to them about um the basics of training um for example when um so i think as a yeah certainly our role as physiotherapists really is educating people on these big rocks yeah 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 exactly like um i guess um so like pretty much for the like if i was to read this i've just got this paragraph written out in terms of what i wanted to do you reckon we should just like be keep cracking on with the podcast or we yeah yeah um so pretty much i wrote this down for complex systems so i just wanted to talk about complex systems and it sounds harder than it, or more difficult concept to understand than it actually is. But all I want to allude to is historically, when we think about the cause of an injury, like so many patients come to me and they attempt to explain their injury with a singular phenomenon, like, like they're looking for one factor and they're looking at this direct linear association with that phenomenon. Um, and like, I feel like that could have played a part often like in their injury, but it's not the only factor. So I want people to start to appreciate in terms of what I mean by complex systems is there's quite a number of factors at play um, all at once. And that's what we're, what I'm trying to allude to when I talk about the big rocks is, and what Caden like, you know, said is like, you know, if your sleep is out or your stress is out, um, uh, yeah, then you're not going to recover, you know, as well. Um, and then if you're suddenly, you know, running more than you ever have, um, then, you know, the it's more likely that a small change, you know, where it's a footwear change or, or if, like you're starting to work on your biomechanics and you're changing your biomechanics, you know, um, in a certain manner, and they're more likely to um, have, have a role. Um, but it, the thing is, if your sleep's really good, your diet's really good, like your energy availability is really good, your recovery is really good, um, you're quite smart with your training load, so you don't just run because you're stressed. Um, you run, you run um, sometimes because you're stressed, but then when, on other times you know that you've run already a lot that week, so you choose to ride or you walk and you use other other different variable sort of ways to um, cope with your stress and realizing that running is a high impact um, sport, uh, then you're, you're going to have um, more 
more room for error. And so suddenly a shoe change might not be, um, you know, as detrimental um, on your, like, like, you know, it might, it might not result in an injury. Um, so I, yeah, just trying to get people to appreciate uh, that there's a lot of things um, applying stress to the system and there's a lot of things influencing your recovery at one time and to be a bit more aware of that um, and, the, and the interplay of that. Um, and that's what we mean by um, that humans are complex systems. Uh, yeah, did I explain that okay? Yeah, it's good, mate. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, probably the other model that we look at in physiotherapy would be a biopsychosocial model of healthcare, yeah, where you're, you're sort of, I suppose, in a, in a clinical capacity, you're stepping back um, from the immediate. So for us, for example, we're, we're working in a musculoskeletal, uh, generally musculoskeletal condition. So being able to step back from the knee injury, for example, and consider the whole, um, the whole, the whole human. Um, yeah. It's interesting actually. I just just sort of um, came to me then. But in Māori health, so in New Zealand Indigenous culture, in the Māori they have a, a model of health called uh, Fari Tapafa. Yeah, so it's the four cornerstones of Māori health. Um, so they are uh, Taha Tinana, which is physical health. Yeah. Taha Wairua, which is uh, spiritual health. Taha Fano, which is um, family health. And then Taha Henangaro, which is mental health. And so, um, they're, yeah, they're essentially the four pillars of Māori health. So if um, any of those pillars are not in balance, then that can lead to poor health. Um, so it's actually a really nice um, model that I do often use in New Zealand culture to explain um that same model of of complex systems but trying to simplify the complex system so for example if your spiritual health or so you're not feeling so well within yourself um is affected then you know that that can reduce your resiliency and, and make you more likely to to suffer um an injury um obviously with your physical health that comes with um you know, overtraining, so you're just pushing too hard and, over, and, and overtraining. Um, and then if your family situation is, is challenged, so your social situation, so, um, you know, you're financially stressed or, um, you know, your your partner or spouse is, is unwell and, you know, you're having to pick up more, um, more duties around home or take care of your kids more frequently and that, that means that you're not getting the recovery that you you normally would um that could lead to you know suffering and injury as well so i think that's a in, in new zealand culture that's a way that i often do describe those um complex systems yeah yeah, yeah I, th I think that's um yeah such a good way to look at it um like where we both used to work Caden, um uh our boss's dad i used to treat him and i think i might have said this on the podcast before but, um, uh, yeah, Shashi was his name and we used to have like these deep philosophical chats and, and one time he asked me, he's like, Dane, um, what are the five most important things in your world at the moment? And, and so I, I listed like, um, yeah, family, friends, probably running, work and health, I think at the time. And, and then he said, okay, so right now, um, this week, where do you where have you focused like where's your your energy um been and and i was sort of like um it made me step back in my tracks a little bit because i was like oh geez i've definitely focused way too much on my work and i've focused way too much on my running and and even <laughs> though like I, I hold family and friends and um uh really you know close to my heart like obviously um i was definitely biasing my lifestyle to to that aspect and um and i think i think um like that was really eye-opening and i think which that's what we're trying to get at is that like often sometimes uh through um whether it's through the people that you hang around or you're educated with or just um your perspective and 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 your 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 beliefs at the time i don't know you, you, your lens can be quite um focused and dialed in on one area and 
I think, yeah, taking a step back and appreciating, they might seem really like um, basic topics, but I think you've got to make sure that those rocks are in a good place first. Um, and a lot of people, it's just it's amazing how many times like people jump that step and they folk hone in on on the small one percenters um, and skip skip these big rocks that I feel like move the needle 30% more than um, these smaller, smaller things. Um, so yeah, I reckon you explained it really well with the, um, I don't know how to say it, but um, the Maori um, <laughs> example. Whare tapawha. Yeah, whare yeah. tapawha. So the whare in, in Maori uh, language is a house. Um, so if you think about the four pillars holding up the house. Um, so yeah it's yeah quite a, a, a nice way of, of describing um the model i think but um personally myself I, I lean into um quite a few things in maori culture um for uh how i tend to go about my daily life and then also um work but um yeah it's a, it's a really nice model and uh, and in physio school in New Zealand, we taught um, taught the model of, of care, um, and so yeah, it's something that that most well all New Zealand physios are aware of. Yeah, yeah. But I think I think generally as a whole, like um, you know, I think our role as physiotherapists really is about trying to um, educate people on on these systems um and and the the balance i suppose of of these different areas of your life and how it can influence injury risk i think for a long time physio has been certainly musculoskeletal focused on physical focused on physical health um and we're certainly starting to realize more now that outcomes are much better achieved um by looking at everything and i think um the beauty that we have as physiotherapists as well is that we get to spend time with our clients and patients and you know, I think about um, then the most enjoyment I get these days from my job is building relationships with the people that come to see me, um, and really getting to know them well. Um, and obviously, um, when you can have a conversation with one of your clients and patients and have them feel like they're at the same level as you, there's no power um, difference. Then I think that's when you can really start delving into those topics more they're more likely to talk to you about um the stresses in their lives and um and i think if i tend to educate first to then allow that conversation to happen so you might be like well you know we know that um load is load you know it doesn't matter if it's it's physical load or if it's mental load um you know you're more increased you you've got a greater chance of, of something going wrong um if, if those things fluctuate too much. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and I think education obviously allows that conversation to happen, but then also just really showing interest in people's lives, I think, um, helps as well. Oh, it's so, yeah, so true. I think that's where the gold is. Um, like, a like, a it's funny how you said, um, those four pillars, you know, form the house, because I think that's how Shashi, uh, finished off the analogy for me is like, oh, okay, so those five areas that you've said, Dane, they've got to equal a wheel. And if you're devoting your time evenly to those five areas in your life, then the wheel is going to flow quite nicely. But if you're sort of a bit like out of kilt, um, it's not going to, you know, you might be able to get away with it for a little while, but um, it's not sustainable. And it's going to, um, you know, start to affect other areas of your life and um, it's going to cause stresses um, and the wheel wheel won't roll because um, it's out of kilt. Um, so like it, but yeah, I think the relationship building, like I've just seen it the last couple of years, like where I've sort of merged a bit more into coaching um, as well as physio and um, probably really seen it with one of my athletes and I'm, sh um, I won't mention his name, um, but he, he, um, if you were to look outside in, you'd, you'd go, oh, I've just got to, you know, train him harder or train him, train him more. Um, and we were trying that 
because he, his, um, uh, I guess his performances, I don't know, he was just, was training really well, but then um, he would uh, underperform um, and he just wasn't improving how we thought. He was, he's so talented. We just, so, so why isn't this working? Why isn't this working? And then like once I got to know him a little bit more, we started to actually recognize a few patterns um, over time. And we recognized that whenever he was around exam time, cause he's so studious with his engineering studies and he just tries so hard and he spends so much en mental energy each day studying that whenever he was near a peak period where he was quite stressed mentally, um, he was very flat um, and he, he wouldn't perform too well. As soon as uni stopped and he had a bit of a break, um, uh, he would start to improve and start to hit a few races. We started to also recognize that when there was less pressure um, in certain races or when he, when he wouldn't put the pressure on himself, he performed well as well, like he didn't have any limits. So yeah, it was really interesting. And I think um, getting to know an athlete meant that like I was able to, uh, we were able to work out together that training less was actually important during those phases where he was mentally stressed. And, and he, he, he has certainly started to be a more consistent runner. And, and over this year, he's actually improved immensely. And, you know, whether it, it's, um, it's meant that by um, understanding him more, we've, we've able to shift the rock that matters the most. And, um, and, and there's a few rocks because by um, giving him room with his, with his training, it means that he can recover more um, and he's not as stressed, so he sleeps better. Um, and, uh, he manages his studies during those peak times. And I mean, it sounds like basic stuff, but, uh, I think that's really getting to know the, the, the complexities, um, of the individual in front of you and the athlete profile in front of you and individualizing your advice to that person and knowing the rocks that matter, uh, for that person. Um, and knowing, and that's only, you only learn that through time, trial and error and, and pattern recognition and, and sort of like, once you have a good performance, sort of like you said earlier in the podcast, like really reflecting and going, well, what did we sort of get right? And what were some of the things that we did differently during this phase? Um, the hard thing is that often changes as you, you mature and change and life changes over time. Um, but, it, but you know, um, it, it, I think you have to look at, at sort of, you know, a, a successful block and an unsuccessful block and reflect and learn, um, and, and, uh, make sure that, um, you're treating each runner individually. What would you say with that? Yeah, hundred percent agree. I mean, I think, um, probably about the hardest, one of the hardest things, um, is that often when you are looking into these areas, so say you have a, a performance that you're not happy with or you, um, you know, a training block that hasn't gone so well, actually addressing those reasons why can be really, really difficult. Um, and so uh, I think, you know, it does sound simple, but it is actually really hard sometimes to step back and say, well, you know, did I really go about that preparation as well as I thought I could, you know. I sort of, I was, you know, a lot of what I've learned is because I've made the mistake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I say that to people nowadays because, like, I've had, like, five years of minimal injury and, um, yeah. you know, it's only because I spent the previous 15 years dealing with injuries. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the hardest thing to do is to step back and say, well, actually, you know, did I actually prepare or did I do as well in that build up as I thought I, I should have? And, you know, even when it comes to injury, like, oh, you know, I did get carried away that week with the training or yep. I did push too hard in that session. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, being up to be open to learning is, is really important part of it. And when you are looking into um, behavioral components as well, so even if that's with athletes or with um, clients, behavioral changes are really, really difficult to make. And we do have to be really, really honest with ourselves about, um, you know, behaviors that we, we have. 
And I think, you know, going back to what you were talking about with um, the client that was talking to you about the five the five um, elements of the wheel, yeah. um, you know, it can be really hard at times to sort of say, well, you know, when I am at home, am I really attuned to what's going on? You know, I'm a, I'm terrible. Like I'll sit at home and I'll just think about work and yeah. running. Yeah. <laughs> and I should really be focusing on my wife. Um, yeah. And uh, there's something I, I, I'm really not that good at is being able to switch off. Yeah. Um, and it's been something I've, you know, I've struggled with my whole life. Um, so, you know, one thing that Rachel and I have gotten quite good at lately is um, where we have our devices. So we won't take devices into the bedroom, for example. So um, the bedroom's a no device zone. Um, Rachel was quite firm about that a few years ago and I was a little bit less keen yeah. <laughs> initially. Um, but that's something that we've both agreed upon. And, you know, if you put that in the context of sleep, for example, we know the blue light from phones can really impact your um, your ability to sleep. So if you're looking at a lot of blue light, I think that's the right light, isn't it? Yeah. Um, correct. I'm pretty um, sure. Yeah, then, well, the lights from phones for, sh- for sure can impact your ability to get to sleep. Um, so by having the phone out of the bedroom, it means that, you know, we've got low light before we go to bed and, um, and you know, I'll read a book instead. So, um, you know, so I think something like that, um, which really is about just trying to spend time with my wife, that's um, focus time means that um, I'll probably sleep better. Yeah. And, um, and then also, you know, work-wise, for example, I make sure I try and do my paperwork and work so that when I get home, I can spend time at home with my wife rather than trying to do work at home. And um, so, you know, if I look back at my life, Prior to meeting my wife, <laughs> um, <laughs> I just worked nonstop. Yep. Um, you know, I'd, I'd get up in the morning, go to university, well, run, go to university, work all day, run in the afternoon, go home, study all night. And look, if I was really honest with myself, like how much of that work was actually productive, productive work? <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> let's be fair, I was probably on Facebook for, you know, 30% of that time. So, <laughs> so by having... A, you know, a more disciplined approach to things, then, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't be as effective. Um, and, you know, I sort of try and focus on being effective when I'm doing work. So that's trying to minimise distractions. If I'm, say, I'm writing a patient's notes, you know, try and complete that note before moving to another task or being distracted by another task. So, and that it's... It's hard work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think these seem like really basic concepts, but yeah. they're actually really, really difficult to to do. Oh. And um, behavioural change is so hard. Like it's um, like even just like when you have a, a patient where you're like, oh, like if you just did this, like I just reckon it would be a game changer. Um, and then <laughs> you see them the next week and the next week, and you're like, oh, how'd you go with with um you know, you know, what, did you make any progress towards that, that change? And they're like, Oh, nah, not yet. Not this week. And, and, but it, it, it's, I mean, that's, I get that because you have to like, kind of be okay. Like, 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 you know, open to the change first of all. Um, uh, and, and then also okay. Okay. To be wrong as well. Like, um, and okay to yeah. like, okay to sort of question your the way that you approach it and then and but then even just forming that habit of of change um is is hard hard too and and that and being honestly introspective um and non-biased about um your your opinions and and not not um uh uh sort of coming up with um uh we, we get very skilled at coming up with reasons why we're not doing what what perhaps we should should try to change, um, uh, and and yeah, beliefs are hard to change and behaviors are hard to change. Um, but yeah, like I, yeah, I, th- I think that was really cool that you brought that up because um, 
yeah, I'm I'm a bit I'm I'm the same. <laughs> and but do you reckon it's uh, like you've had a really good last several years? Do you would you say that more balanced approach is part of it, or you're not sure? Oh, 100. Yeah, I think yep. it's part of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm a much healthy, healthier individual now than I ever yep. have been. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've had three days off running and since 2016. Yep. Yeah. 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 So, um, and you know, some people would look at that and say that's crazy, um, and it probably is a wee bit crazy. But um, you know, I was, we were talking about I was talking about this with with my wife the other day and some friends. I think it might have been yeah last night. But I was just talking about how like running is doesn't necessarily matter how much running I'm doing, but running is part of my well being now. So like, you know, for me, running to work in the mornings, um, you know. Every, we get some pretty cold. We're not that cold in Christchurch, but we get some pretty cold mornings in Christchurch. And I'd be negative five throughout the winter, some mornings and running to work and, you know, you've got a few layers on and we, well, we live right beside the Avon river and, and Christchurch, which is a pretty iconic Christchurch, um, location. Well, not Christchurch geography. And, um, you know, I get to run along the river all the way to work in the morning and, um, being next to the river, um it's wonderful and then um you know some mornings it's just so beautiful the sun's rising um and then by the time i get to work i get to have a hot shower um and and have a coffee and like that sets me up really well for the day so you know my mental health is in good space by the time i'm there to help people um and so you know as long as i can run I'll, i'll run to work you know even when i'm running three hours for a marathon instead of two hours <laughs> 15, you know? <laughs> um, but that's what I know I need to do to, to be able to be the best that I can be. And I know that to do the job I need to do and do it really well and uh, aim to do that job really well every day, then um, that's what I need to do to, to do that. Yeah. Um, and then again, like weekends, you know, I, was, I used to work a lot on the weekends and I still do a little bit of stuff on the weekends, but by and large, um, you know, I need to have that time now um, to to perform well uh, during the week. So, you know, whether that be just having a beer on a Friday night um, and um, watching some um, comedy or something on TV, yeah, or um, you know, just stuff that that. Um, probably would have been reluctant to do um, it's so funny like it's um yeah. like it like back when you're younger and I, I was like this too like you're so driven to be as good as you can and so you, you think you just and and then when you're a clean slate and at, at the start of your career you you start to realize that the more you do the faster you do like just the uh, you, you you improve initially like um i think just any if you do anything you improve and then you just get this bias towards thinking that the harder you train, like the like that's the answer, and then you start to like not really um, think like when your coach says, "Oh, now nah, go slow," or or now nah, recovery is important. You like you don't have that experience of a bad race yet, or you don't have that experience of injury just yet, um, or even when you you kind of do, I don't know, you just that young and um you probably haven't matured enough and and seen enough that you you sort of um you just have this biased approach that um the harder you work and i think it goes with maybe it went with my personality type sort of um as well but you you just think the harder you work then you're going to earn it and you you deserve it um and you sort of um yeah like you, you forget you forget like sort of the basics um and and I think it's so cool, like spending more time with your wife and your family, uh, you know, going out for a beer and enjoying, um, you know, letting your hair down a little bit. Um, when you're as consistent and studious as you are, Caden, then or um, as as a lot of distance runners are, it's it's often a rock that people just um, don't don't appreciate enough, um, and they get this sort of biased um, approach and focus only on on certain certain aspects and and they wonder they start blaming that they're not training hard enough or they they blame the 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 workouts um whereas maybe it's not adding it's it's taking away um 
stuff in their structure and their week so that there's more rest and recovery. Um, like I think that that idea um, is is uh, yeah a more more balanced approach and it's it's understanding that um, there's more to it. It's not just how hard you train. It's um, it's understanding the interplay between stress and, and rest um, and that sort of whole systems approach. Um, yeah, I think you explained it really well. Yeah, I think, you know, runners have a habit of thinking of things in terms of physiological terms, pure physiological terms. So like run more mileage equals um, greater aerobic capacity, which equals greater performance or, you know, run a harder rep equals more lactate production equals more lactate tolerance equals faster performance. So you can put running into those categories. But then, you know, I sort of, I've learned a lot about the mind and with running in the last few years, just through my work with Kerry Evans. And, um, you know, I sort of look back at some of my training sessions and I'm like, well, we actually, you know, all you're thinking about is if the physiology of the run. So you're thinking about the aerobic side of it, your lungs working, your muscles working, but what are you actually doing in that time when you're running? So for me now, um, my coach, Chris Ballone, um, this has actually been something that's quite been quite hard for me to initially sort of get on board with, but he's limited all my sessions to 20 minutes. Yep. So if I do a session, it's only 20 minutes long. So but then the, the total run time is not 20 minutes long. It'll be, you know, an hour. Well, if I'm doing marathon training, for example, it'll be you run for an hour, then do your 20 minute session and then warm down. So you might get like an hour 40, hour 50s worth of running in the session. But anyway, um, you know, throughout these sessions, I might do a 20 minute up tempo, which is essentially a marathon pace. And, you know, when you're in those uncomfortable zones, it's quite easy. That's sort of when those behavioral problems that we we're talking about recently that can, that's where they tend to come up. So when you're under, under pressure. So, um, what I like to do now when I'm doing a training session and I'm running at these higher intensities is think, okay, well, what's actually happening within myself at this point in time? So, um, am I tense? You know, am I, am I, uh, actually focused at this point? Like, am I thinking about other things? So what am I actually, what am, am I thinking about trying to run faster? Or am I thinking about something else? So if you break it down into the simplicity of, of what you're actually trying to do, which is just trying to move your arms and legs faster, push off the ground a bit harder, um, then you tend to run faster for the same effort. So, so in that space, instead of thinking about, oh, am I hitting my split? Am I, um, you know, oh, it's windy. Oh, I'm not feeling very good today. So we'll actually, what am I trying to get out of this training session? Am I actually thinking about running while I'm running? Yeah. I'm actually trying to do my best despite yeah. the outcome or despite the weather. And I think that's where you can gain a lot from from training because that's where you you learn those um, patterns of behavior while you're training. You don't learn them in a race. So you go into a race and your mind will work the same way it does in training. So, and actually it'll be a bit more amplified because you've got the added pressure of, of expectations and outcomes and who's going to win. And, um, and so I think training, if we step back again and, and look not, not at training as just a physiological thing, but how we, how our mind's operating when we're training. Um, and I think being quite good at that allows you to be good at it in other aspects of life as well. So when I'm at home, what am I thinking about? Am I focused on trying to enjoy time with my wife or am I thinking about work? So yeah. being able to, and even, you know, you might be sitting in a consult with somebody and you're, you're thinking, um, you're trying to really focus on what the patient's saying to you. Um, and sometimes your mind can drift to, to other things or you're a bit anxious because the last consult may not have gone as well as you hoped or you're worried about what's going on with that person and you haven't quite shifted into focusing on the patient that's right in front of you. So I think, um, being effective with your time is really, really important. So, um, really, really being honest with yourself about when you're in the moment doing these particular different tasks, how well are you doing them? And, um, that's where I think you can get a lot of benefit as well. So, and that's, like I said, sort of in all aspects of life. So if you can focus on your individual pillars whilst you're actually doing them rather than trying to distribute across the day and being really ineffective, um, then I think you can get better outcomes. Um, 
and uh, you're less less under pressure, really, essentially, because you're trying to you're meeting the demands of each one. Yeah, yeah. no, that's that's really good, and I think that like links really well to. Um, I wanted to like also just briefly talk about um, uh, individuals and how every individual is is slightly different and how you know there's there's all these um different characteristics that make up a human and um like if i was just to lift list off a few that um like often go through my head um when i'm treating someone like uh like often like i think is this person sort of more on the continuum of ocd or are they sort of laid back um uh, are they more fragile or are they more resilient? Um, there's so many, like, um, are they an introvert or extrovert? Um, uh, are they stiff or flexible? Um, uh, are they more slow twitch or fast twitch? Um, so there's like, there's so many of these variables that make up a human and we're on varying sort of um, extremes of the continuum, you know, some, some of these, um, variables we might be smack bang in the middle some we might be you know outliers at one end um and i think that's why what also makes it hard is like in this day and age with social media um you you see like a, a one size fits all kind of program or or um uh the you know the the two hacks or three hacks to to fix this um and and i think appreciating that um uh you're gonna you're gonna have like different aspects that, mo that are um uh more important for you um when you structure your training um and it's it's about sort of questioning how your training's aligning with um just a few of those aspects of your of your profile um when you do sort of reflect on um you know whether you know you your running's being successful or not, um, for you know, in ter in terms of towards your goal. Uh, so, like, I think just under and I, I know, like, that's another sort of basic thing. Like, we, I, everyone knows that we're all different, but um, how often do you see people trying to copy people with training, or um, uh, or or just find, trying to find like this recipe? Um, and it's good to like use that as like a a basis to work from um but then you've got to try to um dilute it or or make it a bit more specific to you and uh, especially with that trial and er error approach and and when you reflect on okay well that didn't work but maybe if i sort of you know tinker it here um yeah i, I yeah i guess like um Kaden, do you have anything else to say about um that aspect uh, well, I think it's yeah. kind of like the Strava, the, the fault of Strava, right? Like, um, yeah. it's easy to get sort of focused on what other people are doing. Um, and yeah, it's not overly helpful at times. But I said, you know, obviously Strava is a great way for people to connect and um, share what they're doing. And, and that's really cool. Um, and, you know, often with... Um, Strava, I sort of try to encourage people at times to actually turn the GPS off um, and just run because I think, you know, often people are trying to run faster or further or, you know, I'm probably speaking um, more of novice runners at the, here, um, but, you know, they sort of think that they should be hitting particular paces um, or comparing what they're hitting to other athletes or what other athletes are doing in training versus them and or even comparing themselves to what they were like a year ago. So I think that's where, you know, the continuum, everybody's on a continuum, but that continuum can change for the individual, you know, between year to year, you know. If we're sort of speaking of resiliency, for example, people's resiliency can fluctuate significantly from year to year depending on what they've been through, you know, they may have had a, a bad illness or, um, you know, a bad injury that has meant that they haven't been able to do what they normally do for a long period of time. So they can certainly reduce resiliency. So I think certainly um, principles are the most important thing, I think, when you're looking at treating individuals differently, because if you apply the same principle to each individual, um, then you'll, you know, see how that individual reacts to 
to that and how much how effective it is for them so rather the what it's more about the why and um you know and i think that's where um again physio is so good you know say you're returning somebody to running after an injury we have the skills to really help navigate that person through that really difficult period of time which is why buying a program a run a return to run program online doesn't give them the same um, level of care or level of expertise because it's not prescription in the sense that you can't you can't just give somebody a program and say this is what you need to do um, it's it's about understanding that individual um, what they've responded to in the past I think that's why the you know particularly one area I really try and spend a lot of time with people on is understanding their past so you know what's happened to you in the past in terms of injuries illnesses um what's um your training experience like what have you found works for you you know what's important to you so meaning is important so in Christchurch for example we've got the Port Hills so a lot of people love to get up into the Port Hills for a run you know you see half Christchurch in the Port Hills on a Saturday Sunday morning it's just packed with riders and runners and trampers and it's excellent. It's a real asset to the city. Um, and so often the conversation, you know, in a couple of sessions turns to, or oh, when, when can I get back into the hills? And um, fortunately I know the trails around there pretty well. So, you know, we'll, again, we'll sort of step back and say, well, you know, where would you normally run in the past? Um, what would your week look like? So Monday through to Sunday, how would you normally train? Um, what's important to you? Is it more important for you to run faster? Is it more important to you to, to get into the hills? And then, um, you know, looking back as well and saying, oh, well, last time we increased your pace a bit too quickly and that caused your Achilles to flare up. So I think what we should do this time is go into the hills and, you know, we can achieve the same principles. You know, if you want to do a bit of tempo running uphill, that's cool. We can get your heart rate up that way. And, um, and then what we'll do is we'll gradually progress you back to the flat. So I think... People, you know, they need that nuanced response, but then also it's really awesome for them that you're sitting there talking to them about what's meaningful to them and then also about how their individual differences um, matter. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's, you know, and again, that's important from a novice point of view and it's also important from an elite athlete point of view. You know, you're talking to an elite athlete and, well, this is what I need to do to run well, you know, internationally. So, you know, I've got an injury that's stopping me from doing that at the moment. That's quite emotional because they're concerned about not being able to perform um, when it really matters. So then you know, it's about navigating a way through that and trying to, one, trying to get them back to that, that task, but then two, well, is there a way that we can replicate that task so that you can um, get the same, you know, desired result that you want, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, hit the nail on the head in terms of, like, if you have a better appreciation of, like, how you're an individual and, and how you differ versus the your mate next to you in terms of, like, what are some of your um, weaknesses, what are some of your strengths, and then I think that really helps you sort of navigate, like, how you're going to prescribe your own training or, or um, like, so once you know you've got a particular weakness so maybe speeds your your weakness then you know that when you've got a speed session tomorrow um that that potentially might be quite taxing you know um if that's one of your weaknesses um that for various reasons um the next few days you know maybe that makes you structure some easy days and recovery days around that um so then you get better at um appreciating when you need recovery and rest you get better at making training decisions. Um, uh, you get better at knowing when you need to nourish your body and, and sleep well around those hard, difficult workouts. Um, so like understanding and being aware of what makes you an individual and what makes you unique and, and where your strengths and weaknesses sit um, means that you're more likely to make um, uh, more sound, purposeful decisions um, about those big rocks um, and that sort of uh, systems approach. Um, uh, yeah, so you, you, you're better dialing in um, 
those big big rocks so that you're in a more adaptive state um, to handling the stress and and recovering recovering better when you are working on a weakness. Um, so yeah, I, I think that that's that's awesome. Um, I reckon there was just only one other thing. Otherwise, I think we're. I feel like we've done a good job, um, but it's probably like I just wanted to talk about lag time and um, the idea of lag time in terms of the fact that like I feel like a lot of runners come to me and they they focus on oh yeah, I got sore, but they're just talking about the day before or that day or the session they did when they got sore, and they're probably not really buying in and talking about the last couple of months or the last um, last few weeks of training, um, probably looking too myopic about when the injury happened uh, rather than uh, reflecting on perhaps what the past uh, couple of months looked like from a training approach. Um, do you have anything to say there, Caden? Yeah. yeah. Um, I suppose in New Zealand we're fortunate with ACC um, that a lot of our injuries are covered by ACC. Essentially, ACC covers an injury and it's happened at a defined period of time. Um, it's either a slip or a fall or someone develops um, pain or an injury doing a particular activity or, over a defined period of time. So um, often, you know, I noticed that when I worked in Melbourne, it was different in the sense that people didn't come and talk to me about a mechanism from the get-go. So people hadn't thought about that. So they sort of sit in the consult room and say, oh, I've got a sore neck. And you say, oh, okay, well, when did that start? And they're like, oh, a couple of weeks ago. And whereas in New Zealand, because um, people know that they need to have thought, you know, they're trying to think about a mechanism because, um, you know, from an ACC perspective, they have to have had a mechanism to have a, had an injury covered. So they've thought about it. So it is easier to broach that subject. Um, and I often sit down with them and, and go through the ACC legislation just to help prompt um help them understand the ACC legislation, but then also to prompt um, them to think about a mechanism um, if one did occur. And sometimes they, you know, hasn't, or it's been, you know, six months since they've had pain or something like that, and they they come and see me, and you know, the, the mechanism's so far away, it's sort of hard to talk about or hard to remember. But um, a lot of the time, it has happened within the last week or two, or they've seen another healthcare provider and been referred to me. So it's happened in the last few months. So there's generally a a defined mechanism which does help um when we talk about that and then often i do actually find this that benefit off strava is or people logging their training data um is that you know strava and garmin and stuff have those great parts of the app where they show you their week-to-week training load changes um and that can be quite helpful because you know sort of you say well this week you didn't run much and then you've gone to 100k and then this week we're, we're injured. So, you know, there's a clear reason why they their Achilles tendon may have flared up. Um, but certainly the other, you know, and, that, and that's sometimes a bit easier, the physical side, um, that's easier. And I think, you know, often the, the, the mental side or the, the sort of spiritual side where we start talking about, you know, you know, if the, the individuals felt depressed um, for the last little while or, you know, they've had a loss in their life or, um, you know, relationship troubles, that stuff's more um, organic, I find. And that happens um, throughout the consult. So I tend not to push that. Um, but I'd rather, you know, while I'm doing an objective assessment, for example, I might bring it up or if we're having to, I think, you know, there's kind of sometimes the benefit of hands-on manual therapy. You find that, you know, if you're doing um, some massage that those conversations um, do happen. So um, I think when the, you pick your times, I think when you talk about particular things, but um, you know, it's easier to gain that information from, people than other people and some people just probably don't want to share that with you and that's fine that's their, their choice and in that respect sometimes I just say well look we know there's you know when people are going through stresses in their lives that can put them at increased risk of injury so you know if 
that's a possibility, you know, if there's any, been anything like that happening. So I think the physical side is definitely easier. Um, but then some athletes, yeah, they don't want to talk about the amount of overload they've done in the last few months because yeah. they probably know that it wasn't quite yeah. Yeah. the right thing to do. Um, and I think the other thing is have, have empathy in that conversation. Like, And often that's where I use my own personal experiences um, with people because I think it sort of shows that I don't think I'm perfect and... Yep. You know, I've made plenty of training errors in my time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's why I'm sitting here as a physio. I often say to people, "Is like, well, look, you know, there's only one reason I'm a physio, and it's because I got injured all the time." Yeah, you <laughs> so, wanted to try to work out why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to figure out figure out why. So yeah. I'm sitting here today. Yeah. Um, and and that you know, a bit of humour and and a bit of honesty from my point from me as well, I think um, helps. Yeah. So you know, I'm, I'm certainly not perfect. And even, you know, even though it sort of can seem that way at times when you're the physio. Yeah, yeah, true. I think, like, yeah, you said it well in that, like, um, I just want people to understand that, like, 75% or most of the injuries in running are overuse and they develop over time. um, And to appreciate the importance that, like things like your mental um, uh, state in terms of stress levels, your um, uh, and where you're at there, you, the amount of sleep you're getting, and um, uh, factors that you're doing outside of running do matter. And I think they're often things that come up later in in an appointment, or even you know the second appointment, third appointment, and then you're like, oh, hang on, that's probably a pretty decent um, lifestyle change that you you have done the last two or three months. I wonder. Um, you know, like if that was, you know, part of the perfect storm in terms of, you know, was that one of the five interacting or, 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 or however many interacting uh, uh, things that brought your, uh, your sort of adaptive um, uh, and your homeostatic sort of um, uh, body balance um, out of whack and, and you sort of led to sort of, you know, the stress sort of... Um, uh, the training stress sort of becoming too much and not recovering, um, and it led to the injury. I think, um, yeah, often um, runners come in and they and like this. This is probably a really good example. Um, like another athlete of mine, um, yeah, I won't say his name either, but he'll know who that it's him. Um, but he, uh, yeah, he came in. He didn't change anything with his training um, while I was over in Tokyo. Um, if anything, I was probably on the on the uh, cautious side of training load because I knew I wouldn't be as readily sort of on hand. And so from a training load, we, we didn't do any, anything different. Um, we were pretty sensible. I've, I've quizzed him in terms of his sleep, um, and his nutrition and he feels like it was similar to normal and, and he feels like it was adequate. Um, but I guess like over the last six to eight, eight weeks, the, probably the thing, so he, he came to me stumped. He's like, why do I have a sore hip? Um, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. It, it's come out of nowhere. Like there's no reason for it. Like I, my training load hasn't changed. Um, and he was really, really down in the dumps about it. Um, but then like when we sort of backtracked, we're like, well, it has been a huge change the last eight weeks. Um, with the COVID lockdown, you were put out of work. He works in a nursery where his job's quite physical and he's right into gaming. Um, and he, he was just, um, he said, said he was gaming um, all the time, just sitting down um, all day. And he, he, he admitted that he was probably like um, a bit obsessive with that. Um, uh, and, and then I feel like the stresses as well, the mental stresses, um, he, he lives in a pretty isolated town where there's not much going on during this time. So, and he, 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 he was quite open to me and said it did sort of affect him mentally. Um, and his, and so like I think, and then like two weeks before he got the pain, he was back at work um, after you know a good six week layoff, um, not doing any 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 sort of physical exercise. And I think that lifestyle change combined with just steady running, um, combined with a bit of stress, like that's the only thing that we can sort of um, come up with that really through his um, his his uh, yeah his uh, like. Um, uh, complex system sort of out of whack and, um, and, and might have sort of alluded to like, um, you know, got in, got him um, closer to getting an injury. I mean, 
we've been working on his like strength through his legs and his um, biomechanics because um, they they are his um, liability. Like that is where he's he knows that for the training load that he does, um, it's probably his weak spot. And I think the combination of um, yeah the lifestyle changes and the stresses um, meant that he sort of uh, came undone through his hips and we're just trying to work out if it's um, bony at the moment or, or muscular. So he's had some time off, but, uh, and that's his second, second bone injury in the last year. So I guess that's where we're in, like, if it is bony, we're going to probably do like some blood testing and uh, look deeper into his nutrition um, and, and try to learn from it and, and, and see if there is something that we can work on there. But, um, he's, he's already said that he's going to give up, oh, well, he's not going to give up gaming, but he's definitely going to take a, a bit of a back step because he's so keen with his running. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's one of the, I, I thought that was a really good example in terms of it's not so clear cut. Um, and I think that's a perfect case where, um, you've got to appreciate like, um, yeah, I guess where your head's at and, and the stuff you're doing outside of running and how conducive that is, um, to, they're loads as well um yeah i don't know i thought that was a good one to bring up just to finish the podcast <laughs> yeah 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 i mean i think um yeah, it's a difficult time I mean, it's been a difficult time for a lot of people throughout the world eh? and um everybody's had their own way of, of managing that and um and again i think as healthcare providers the key thing is to show our empathy for that and um acknowledge it and um yeah, I think that's really, really important. And we, you know, we're not always going to have the answer um, as much as we try. And then I think just being honest with people and saying, well, you know, we don't always have the answer for why these things happen. Um, we know there's a number of things that influence it um, and we'll do our best to really try and mitigate the risk moving forward. So it's really like trying to identify some, some things that may be happening that are putting you at an increased risk and let's really do our best to mitigate them as best as possible. And, um, you know, focus on the things that we have control over. And, um, I think that's how we can move forward together as a team. Beautiful, mate. I'm wary of the time over there. Is it, it's, it's pretty late. Like, um, and I'm so appreciative of, of, um, yeah, having a chat. Uh, I think that was a worthwhile topic and I'm pretty keen to do a few more of these with you, Caden, um, going forward. Um, so yeah, thanks so much for, um, sharing your expertise, um, and your physio knowledge, um, because I'm sure a lot of runners will, um, find it useful. Cheers, Dane. It's, um, good to be back on the podcast and yeah, I've been hanging out to get back on with you. Yeah. So, I think uh, we'll be able to, um, to hook up a bit more often now, um, with like a few of your changes work-wise. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty keen to, um, uh, like I enjoy, always have enjoyed um, chewing the fat with you, especially with stuff like this. So, um, yeah, keen to do it a bit more often. Cool. Cheers, mate.